stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Look, even though the Terry Lynn McClintock story has dropped off the radar a bit, uh, the, the underlying outrage still remains that this convicted murderer, someone convicted in the brutal rape and murder of an eight-year-old girl, was transferred to a healing lodge, an Aboriginal healing lodge in Saskatchewan when the offender, it would appear, is not Aboriginal at all. A healing lodge where other inmates can have their children present. That an inmate responsible for the brutal death of a child would be in the same location is pretty outrageous. It's a medium-slash-minimum security prison, which for all intents and purposes, as was pointed out to us last week by former prosecutor Scott Newark, makes it a minimum security prison. That it does not make any sense for this offender at this time to be in this institution. Now, the government, of course, uh, has, in response to the Fuhrer... um, launched an investigation into all of this and an update on that uh, coming up in a moment. But here's uh, the scoop last night in Global National about the brother of Terry Lynn McClintock speaking out and denouncing his sister. We have another exclusive story tonight, an interview with the brother of convicted child murderer Terry Lynn McClintock. She's serving a life sentence for the murder of eight-year-old Tori Stafford, and her case made headlines recently when she was transferred to an indigenous healing lodge in Saskatchewan. Tonight, McClintock's brother tells Global News she is not indigenous, and he believes she has no business being in a healing lodge. He reveals the dreadful things McClintock endured as a child. He spoke exclusively to our Abigail Beeman. Abigail? Donna, he says what she is, is a master manipulator aiming to make her life sentence easier. We've agreed to conceal his identity. Being related to a child murderer is a heavy secret for him. Do you believe that your sister is indigenous? Absolutely not. Um, She's no more indigenous than I am green from the planet Mars. Terry Lynn McClintock's brother says she should be spending her days in a narrow cell with bread and water, not in an indigenous healing lodge. Terry Lynn's taking a bet away from somebody that can benefit from it. For all intents and purposes, minimum security and no fences were there. Freaking children. You sound angry about that decision. I, I absolutely am. The two aren't traditional siblings. They share no blood. McClintock was born to a stripper who passed her off to another stripper and friend, Carol McClintock. The man we interviewed is one of Carol's two biological children. Terry Lynn, for all intents and purposes, is my sister. Um, she was adopted by my biological mother. She grew up in my biological mother's house. I've spent time many, many, many years with her. They also spent years apart. He said it was actually his aunt who raised him, but he tried to be a positive force to the little girl 11 years his junior, in and out of a home he describes as incredibly harmful. I became Sir Lynn's full-time parent, more or less. Um, Carol would drink pretty much every night of the week. She would start, you know, as soon as she was done at work. Um, it would be the middle of the day and she would be beer bottle to her mouth. The last time he spoke to McClintock, she was 16. He offered her a place in his home. She refused, and two years later, at age 18, Terry Lynn McClintock murdered Tori Stafford. Is it a sense of shame? What are the emotions? 
some of it is shame, some of it's disgust. I'm disgusted with the fact that I, that, that I'm not, not blood related, but I'm related to that. I'm, I'm disgusted with myself that I didn't do more. He has no plans to reach out to his sister in prison, even though he itches to call her out on what he sees as her manipulative behavior. As far as I'm concerned, my sister is dead. You know, I... She should be. She should be for what, for what she's done. The public safety minister asked for a review of the transfer decision. We asked the Correctional Service of Canada when that's expected to be done. Is it days, weeks, months? But they wouldn't say. Donna? All right, Abigail, thank you. All right, so there's been some development since then, including some comment today from the federal public safety minister on where things stand with this review. So joining us to talk more about these latest developments and more on that remarkable conversation with McClinton's brother, very pleased to, to be joined on the program here this afternoon by Abigail Beeman, a Global National Ottawa correspondent. Uh, Abigail, thanks so much for joining us here. Absolutely. Obviously, there's been a lot of political fallout from this decision, a lot of Canadians voicing their outrage at how this, this particular inmate has been handled. What are you hearing today, first of all, from the federal public safety minister? That's right. Well, uh, interesting development today, because when we asked the Correctional Service of Canada when the decision or the report on the transfer review, uh, McClintic's transfer to an Indigenous lodge was expected, we said, is this going to take days, weeks, months? Because, you know, people have been waiting. And they told us that they just didn't have an answer for us on that topic. Well, today, Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale tells me that he's expecting it in a matter of days. In the next few days, he said that it was done or nearly done. Uh, and and more importantly, he said that he believes there are significant recommendations within it. But when we pressed him as to what exactly he's talking about, he wouldn't say, says he looks forward to reading the report. All right. Well, he has some awareness of, of what's in it, perhaps. That's what he hinted at, although he hmm. says that he doesn't, he hasn't read it, so he's not sure. That's interesting. All right. Well, let's talk about your exclusive uh, this week. You had a conversation with the brother of Terry Lynn McClintock. He had a lot to say uh, about his sister, didn't he? He, he absolutely did. Uh, it was an interview that was close to 90 minutes in length, and we uh, covered a lot of ground. But most importantly to him, he wants to see his sister uh, in a maximum security prison. He says it's not that he doesn't you know, believe that the Indigenous healing path is a useful one, but he says there's no way his sister is Indigenous, and he believes that it's a privilege uh, that she doesn't deserve. And that's an interesting angle to this story because, um, you know, we've heard from the First Nation, uh, which, you know, their, their land is where this, this healing lodge is located. They didn't know this individual was coming to this healing lodge. Uh, they weren't too happy about that. But, but the fact that the Terry Lynn McClintock does not appear to be Indigenous at all is, is an interesting development. So I suppose having her, her brother basically confirming that it maybe, maybe firms up that question. Do, do, we, do we know for sure at this point? Well, I think it's important to note, first of all, that the policy under uh, the Correctional Services of Canada is that anyone can self-identify as Indigenous, which I think surprises a lot of people because, you know, that's, uh, that's an unusual, uh, unusual thing to have in our justice system, that anybody could self-identify as Indigenous and therefore access programs meant uh, for Indigenous inmates uh, in prison. On the question of self-identification, 
Carrie Lynn McClintock self-identifying, we've had uh, more than one family member of hers say that she is not Indigenous. Uh, the, the quote from the, her brother was, uh, she's no more Indigenous than I am green from the planet Mars. So they are all mm-hmm. uh, certain that that, that that is the case here. But worth taking a moment to, to talk about her uh, origin story, because uh, nobody actually knows who Terry Lynn McClintock's father is. Uh, she was born stripper who then handed the baby off to another stripper and friend who is Carol McClintock. Uh, and Carol McClintock is the biological mother of the of two children, one of whom we interviewed for this story. So uh, noting there that the, that the man we interviewed is not blood related to Terry Lynn McClintock, but considers her his sister, uh, and that uh, nobody, including uh, Terry Lynn, knows who, who the father is in, in her life story. And it's interesting because it's a secret that he lives with, a secret that he carries, that that his sister is a convicted murderer. And as such, he, he doesn't want his name to be public. And that was a very, a very interesting part of, of the story. In the conversation I had with him, he talked about the perception that as soon as somebody learns that you're related to somebody who's committed a heinous crime, such as killing a child, their perception of you changes in an instant. And, you know, it, it is very, very interesting because he and Carrie Lynn McClintock had very difficult circumstances growing up. And she made the choices that she did and, and uh, is where she is now. But he has built a life for himself and is a productive member of society. But he says, you know, outside of his immediate family, he believes there's only three people who know that he is the brother of this child murderer. And uh, and he, he doesn't want that perception um, in this life that he's, you know, worked very hard to build. He talks about growing up together and, and the time he spent with Terry Lynn when they were kids and Obviously, he's not looking to excuse anything she has done, but but he does describe what he calls an incredibly harmful environment that they lived under. Absolutely, uh, absolutely, and and you say it right that he's not excusing everything and anything, and I think that goes back to the point that they came from this diff- difficult upbringing, but yet had very different paths in life. He describes a home where Carol McClintock would drink every night, where there was alcohol, drugs. He he referred to a parade of men. He said she wasn't. Um, long-term relationships were not a strong suit of hers, and there was always a different man uh, in the house. He suspects that there was abuse towards Terry Lynn, physical and sexual. Um, but he says definitely, you know, screaming matches, verbal, mental abuse. He says he remembers when he was a child yelling at his mother, Carol, I just want you to be a mom. And he says, but Carol wasn't a parent to anybody. Uh, he he uh, talked about the last time he saw his sister. She was 16 years old. So we should note that this is about uh, close to 10 years ago and two years before she killed Tori Stafford because Carrie Linda Clintic was 18 when she murdered Victoria Stafford. So he talks about seeing her when she was 16 uh, and he finds her at a bonfire with friends with a beer bottle and uh, a cigarette and he orders her to get in the car and he offers her a way out. He says, you know, at this point he, he's 11 years older than she is. He's an adult. Uh, he had enrolled in the Canadian military by that point. He said, you know, you can come and live with me, but in my house there are going to be rules and you're going to have to go to school. Uh, and he says that he remembers that, that conversation and she just said no because where she was there was no one telling her what to do. Uh, and he thinks about that choice and, you know, the question of what if and what if he pushed harder to, to make her come with him uh, or, 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 and, and all those other what if questions. But he talks about how, you know, he thinks about it for sure, uh, but he can't dwell on it because, you know, she went on to make the choices that she did, although he certainly thinks about, you know, would I what if I'd been able to, to do 
Yeah, and it's such a fascinating question. Uh, obviously, he didn't. We know what's happened since then. Uh, it, it seems as though maybe one of his, his motivations in speaking out now is his, his feeling, his belief that, that his sister is manipulating the system. Did, did it come across that way to you? Uh, that's absolutely it. That's, uh, he called her a master manipulator in our conversation. We talked about uh, the, the manipulation that he witnessed at the trial when he saw, it's it interesting, he said to me, you know, the last time I saw her, she was 16, and the next time I saw her was on television when she was led into a courtroom. So he, he followed the trial, uh, and he talked about the, the, manipula- the manipulative behaviors that he saw, uh, and, uh, and he said that's exactly what's happening now. He said, you know, even though he hasn't spoken to her in 10 years, he has no doubt that she is, I think how he put it was, there was somebody with a checklist and she was doing whatever she saw needed to be done so she would get the checks on the checklist to be able to make her circumstances better. Uh, and in her view, that was to be transferred to this Indigenous Healing Lodge. But I guess it's not to say, though, that he believes that she's beyond redemption or that she can't be helped, but that just right now, maybe she, she's not in that place. What he said on that topic, I asked him, do you believe that there is hope for rehabilitation for your sister? And he said, not unless her psyche is completely torn down and built back up because of everything she has gone through in her life. So not impossible, but his suggestion is pretty close to, uh, and he sees an Indigenous healing lodge as, as a privilege uh, that is not the place for her and not going to help her. He says, you know, I do believe she needs psychological help, but I don't think that's the place for her. Uh, as you say, he had a lot to say, a lot of uh, important things to say on this story. Much more at globalnews.ca. Abigail, thank you so much for joining us here this afternoon. Appreciate it. Thank you. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.